So I'm Bobby Johns, and this is my lovely wife, Shari. Uh, thanks for letting us share what God has done uh, in our lives, and I hope it will encourage you. Uh, first, a quick prayer to get us started. Father God, thank you for your grace and endless blessings that we don't deserve. Please open our eyes and our hearts to your truth. And if there is anything useful in our story, please let that come through tonight. You are mighty and filled with love and compassion for us, even though we are lost and far from you. There is no marital problem or other issue here tonight that's bigger than you, God. You love us where we are and love us enough not to leave us there. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Bobby and I were both born and raised in Texas. We've been together for 25 years, married for, well, it'll be 20 years this year, right? Married 20 years, yes. Those are the two who thought, you know, marriage would be perfect right there. Um, we have two beautiful boys, Austin, who's 15, and White, who's 11, and we've been coming to Watermark for about 12 years. Um, yes. Um, as for my background and family, um, I wasn't raised on any kind of organized religion. My, my parents were uh, divorced when I was 18 months old uh, because my father was gay. I usually don't mention that up front because people often tune out for a minute when they hear that. Um, this played out badly for me because the rest of the family was deathly afraid that I would turn out to be gay too. So at a very young age, I was encouraged to notice women, look at cheerleaders, and so on. Um, this was like throwing gasoline on a fire. I was already uh, very attracted to women, and I started a lifelong addiction to pornography, starting with Playboy at the age of eight with the encouragement of, relative, of a relative who thought that she was helping me. Uh, I grew up with a series of stepfathers until I was 12, and my mom's fourth husband seemed to stick. Uh, they were married for 20-plus years, and he was the first stable father figure uh, I ever had. And he taught me about being a man, not so much by what he said, but I watched what he did. He was a good moral man, became a, a Freemason, and uh, passed away uh, several years ago. Just about the time I hit puberty, I was trying to leave anything about God and the Bible behind. Uh, I asked questions of the Christians I knew, but no one I knew could give me what I thought was intellectually honest answers about the hard questions. How do you know the, the Bible is God's word? How do you know Jesus is who he says he is? And why does God let bad things happen? 1 Peter uh, 3.15, but in our hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks to give a reason for the hope that you have. I spent most of my adult life far from God, actively running away from him. Uh, if you count abortion as murder, then I've broken all 10 of the commandments. I don't know how to give more details about my past hedonism without it sounding like bragging. So trust me when I tell you, I was lost and completely bought into the world's lies. Living in the darkness, I mocked everything Christians stood for and I did it with great delight. Proverbs 18, one and two, an unfriendly person pursues selfish ends and against all sound judgment starts quarrels. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in their airing their own opinions. And I grew up in a volatile household. My father was physically abusive to my mother. And when I was 15, my mother took me and my two brothers, um, and we went to live in a women's shelter where we lived there for three weeks hiding from him. My mother believed in the Lord and always spoke of him, but I didn't understand how God could do this to us. My mother then remarried a man who also had three children and together they had one more. All nine of us lived together in one tiny house and because of the divorce and the remarriage, I had to start over again at a new high school. In hindsight, God was looking after me. A sweet girl I met introduced me to others. She befriended me 
um, they all invited me to go to church with them, and I loved it. And at church camp the summer before my senior year, I gave myself over to the Lord, and I was baptized. I had head knowledge of what that meant. I thought if I was good and I helped others, then all was fine. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But after high school, I stopped running with these friends that I had made from church and I went completely wild. I began drinking, experimenting with drugs, and because of my promiscuity and other poor choices, I became pregnant. I was scared and out of fear and selfishness, I made a very conscious decision to abort that child. I pursued a career as a technology geek, uh, bought the latest gadgets, uh, pursuing anything that interested me and followed my own selfish nature. Even got married and then divorced within a year, chasing women and letting sex dictate my life. All the while, something was missing. I would move from one philosophy or ism to another, trying to find what was missing. I read books on psychology, comparative religion, and philosophy for pleasure. At first being excited, thinking I had found a real answer at last, only to discover that when I chased these ideas to their logical conclusion, uh, they were just another dead-end lame excuse for the truth. Slowly I began to live a life closer to the straight and narrow, but never consciously trying to know or please uh, God, just hoping, just, just hoping to drop the most destructive behaviors that I had survived long enough to realize didn't work. I met Bobby in 1995, and we were pretty much inseparable. After only a few months of dating, we moved in together. I didn't see anything wrong with it at the time. All of my friends were living with their boyfriends. Bobby and I got married in the fall of 2001, and after a couple of years of marriage, we started trying to have a child. One afternoon, Bobby had to rush me to the hospital because I was having severe abdominal cramps. I didn't know I was pregnant at the time until we got to the emergency room, where I learned I was having a miscarriage. And we were devastated. It was our first pregnancy, and we had lost the baby. Several months later, I found out I was pregnant again. We were very excited about this child, but during a doctor's visit, it turned out that it was an ectopic pregnancy with internal bleeding. It was life-threatening, and I was immediately rushed to emergency surgery. And I remember after the surgery looking at a friend who was visiting me and asking them if this was God's way of punishing me for having the abortion. About a year after this, I got pregnant again. Fear dominated most of that pregnancy, but our little blessing was born healthy and happy. But after the birth of our first son, Bobby and I grew slowly apart, feeling like I had to control everything, make all of the decisions, feeling very alone and disconnected. And I remember sitting on the couch one evening and looking at Bobby and just telling him how lonely I felt, even though we were sitting in the same room. I met my wife, Shari, and I was finally ready to get married again after much patience on Shari's part. I was madly in love with her, and with the birth of my son, after several misadventures, um, I began to wonder if I was capable of really being a good father, not to mention a, a good husband or even a good man. The miscarriage and ectopic pregnancy put a deep fear into me that made me realize how little control I really had. I had almost lost Shari, and the prospect made me fearful, overprotective, and timid. Everything I had learned from the various self-help and personal growth efforts over the years had taken me about as far as they could. 
My marriage was dying and I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Divorce was the most likely outcome and I was in despair. Paralyzed with fear, a classic case of failure to lead and passivity. My addiction to pornography was still taking its toll as well. I was letting the, uh, the computer fantasy world steal time, energy, and affections from my wife. This only added to the downward spiral. At this time in our marriage, you could say Bobby and I were more like roommates. The distance between us had grown pretty deep. I would spend most of my evenings in the bedroom watching TV while he spent the evening in the living room doing the same or on his computer. I was sad, depressed, lonely. I started contemplating what life would look like without Bobby. The world made it seem so easy and okay that the grass was greener and that I could be happier if I just ended this marriage and moved on. Satan was working in my heart. He would have enjoyed seeing my son grow up without his father around. My first visit to Watermark was in January of 2008 and I had come with a friend who had invited me several times. She had a son the same age as ours so it made it easier to come and I was thinking you know it would be good for my son for us to go to church Um, the message by the pastor that day was about marriage and specifically about being undivorced he used that term undivorced I remember him saying that if you were still married but not living and following the Lord's definition of marriage that you were living undivorced I felt like he was talking to me that somehow he knew I was showing up that morning and created this sermon just for me. When in reality, it was Jesus who knew I would be walking in those doors on that very day. And through the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me. And I remember going home and telling Bobby about this sermon. He didn't want to come with me. um, But I told him I was going to go the next week and that he could come if he wanted to. But he didn't come that next week. But the sermon was a series about marriage, and I remember praying that day that Bobby would come with me in the next week, and then he did. I was not excited about going to church, but I was hoping for a a little solace and a few social contacts. I didn't have any men that I could talk to regularly about anything except technology. To be honest, I wasn't sure that church building wouldn't cave in on me when I walked in. The pastor was in the middle of the first re-engage series, and it seemed like he was talking to just me. I came for six straight weeks, and they were all about me. After 12 plus years, a couple have not been out about me. What I found were people who had a love and authenticity, authenticity and energy that I'd never seen in church before. They spoke of God's unfailing, unchangeable love for us all, even for me. A love so deep, He would give his only son to pay the price for my wickedness. I heard that I was forgiven and saved by grace. It took a while for me to come around to the conclusion that this might be what I had been looking for. Not knowing anything better to do, I just prayed my first feeble little prayer. God, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but if you're there, please come into my heart and let me find out. Romans 8.26 In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. At first, I didn't tell people that I went to church here, not because of what they might think of me, but what they might think of the church. If they let that guy in, they'll let anybody in. That's actually the truth, but I I felt a need to protect my new friends from my past, but they didn't need it. They already had a protector and a redeemer already. I began reading the Bible and found things I'd never heard before. I began to cultivate a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I spoke with committed 
Christ followers who spoke with an authenticity I never knew from Christians before. My idea of what being a real Christian, a Christ follower, was forever changed. No one was afraid of even my toughest questions. I began to pray on a regular basis uh, and found a peace I I never had before. I began to see improvements in my marriage and other relationships. I I still go off in the weeds sometimes, but I know the way back. Uh, I still struggle with the lies of the world at times, but I have a hope I didn't have before. What I was missing was there all along. I just never saw God's love and grace for what it is. Unchangeable, unbreakable, unfathomable. Somewhere along the way, my interest in pornography also diminished. I finally threw away my last stash of DVDs one day. Tells you how old I am. Uh, At least you didn't say VHS. (laughs) Yeah, VHS. There's a whole routine in there that I'll leave out. So, uh, James 1, 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. It can save you. After I jumped in with both feet, my wife began to come around a little at a time. We joined a community group. Uh, I started going to equip disciple because I didn't even know what I didn't know. What's quiet time and do I need earplugs? I decided to give this new marriage, we decided to give this new marriage class uh, called Reengage a shot. 26 weeks? Are you kidding me? Okay, we'll do it. You guys got it easy. It was 26 weeks back then. Two other couples from our community group did reengage with us. So I remember Bobby wanting to sign up for that first reengage class that, um, that Watermark had offered, and I just wasn't ready. My heart was very hard, and at times I felt that, I don't know if it would soften towards him, but I'm obviously glad we ended up doing it. Focusing on our marriage and focusing on Christ was truly the only way out of the deep funk that our marriage had gotten into. I'm so very thankful for what the Lord has given us today. He's blessed our family. He's blessed our marriage. We have some dear, sweet friends who pour into us and love us and guide us. I no longer feel like I'm being punished for my abortion, but I'm loved and forgiven, and I'm the daughter of a king. I have a peace and a joy in the blessings that God has given us. And I think about how our little family has grown and how awesome our two boys are. And I rejoice at this relationship that my husband and I now have with Jesus. Bobby's my best friend and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. He's my rock and I'm thrilled to follow his lead. We have another picture of our family. And you guys, this hasn't been an easy year for us either. And I know I'm kind of going off script, but if it weren't for Jesus in our life, I don't know where we would be. And so I'm just so grateful that they're and honored that they would have us up here to speak to you guys tonight. And I just beg for you guys to dig into your marriages because it is so sweet and worth it. So we still have conflicts at time and he can even argue sometimes. Uh, but the difference is we are committed to Christ first and then to each other. Shari and I now serve as small group facilitators and re-engage, not because we have a perfect marriage, because we don't, but because we know the pain a dysfunctional marriage can bring and feel drawn to do something about it. The fear and sadness can be crippling. If that's where you are now and wondering if this is for you, yes, it is. There is no better place I'm aware of and there's no better time than right now to get started. And if you have something scary you need to share with your spouse or small group tonight, do it tonight. Mm -hmm. 
dig deep and get after it. God is bigger than anything you might be facing. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Thank you for letting us share our story with you.